Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Good morning and welcome to Warrior Mothers Who Know. So great to have you ladies here. I'm just grateful to see your names on the screen and if you're joining on the screen so we can see you, we're grateful for that too. It's just so great to see your faces, but we get it if you can't turn your screen on, but we just, we love that you're here. We love the spirit you bring here and the purpose and uh, commitment that you bring with you as well, because that's just, the evidence is so loud just that you're here and there's some background noise today and I'm sorry, I'm not gonna shut it off because I'm freezing to death. I have a space fe space heater on today. So there's a little bit of noise in the background, but we're just warming up together. But yeah, Anality Milne is coming today. It's our Q&A with Anality Milne. She's the director of Daughters of Light. So be considering what kind of questions do I have for a clinician who has a lot of experience with women and young women and also her own family experience. But yeah, what kind of questions do I have in my life? What's going on that I could bring up and get some more information on? And thank you, Anelody. So glad that you're here today. So grateful for your time with us. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about Daughters of Light, and then we're going to get started. And Warrior Women of Light, excuse me. Thank you. So yeah, we have two programs, Daughters of Light and Warrior Women of Light. Daughters of Light is for the 18 and younger, and the Warrior Women program is for the 18 and older. And Kim and I like to refer to our program as 
an emotional self-mastery program rather than a behavioral self-mastery program or a sexual self-mastery program. What we do know is that when women have what we call emotional sobriety, it's much easier for them to understand and control their behaviors or even be in charge of their behaviors and make choices based on their values. So we work really hard on teaching emotional self-mastery in those in that way we what we do know is that there's sort of two ways to come to approach a mental health sort of problem and you can come into it from a cognitive sort of way where you're trying to notice and and control your thoughts or notice what's happening to your thoughts and really become a master over those thoughts, which is a very dynamic, wonderful way to be able to do it. But there's also the other way of coming in on this direction where you're noticing how you're feeling, what's going on in your body. And as you're noticing that, you're working on feeling as a human being would feel naturally, but also helping ourselves manage those emotions inside of us. And of course, we know that those feelings are connected eventually to some types of thoughts that we know that we get from the adversary or from memories that are, you know, have been stored inside of us from childhood or other times. A lot of times women tend to hear input from, I would call the larger community, and it causes them to go into a state of panic or fear that they're not showing up in ways that would be approved of by a community that they would like to be part of. And so learning how to manage that fear, learning how to understand the messages that the, the community is actually truly giving them, and then actually being able to deal with the emotions inside of them and show up in ways that is best for them to show up, ways that are most true for themselves. And, you know, I think a lot of times we treat people and we show up in ways that we really don't want to be doing because we don't know any other way. We're just going to behave in the ways that come naturally because we're sensing and and feeling inside of ourselves things that are informing the way that we're thinking and behaving. So we sort of come in on this side rather than this side, but this side goes into that side just as this side's going to go into that side, right? So our approach is just a little bit different. How was that, Karen? <laughs> Love it. So good. So I like it's that. A, it's, it's a language that women. speaks a little bit more to women. I was just going to say something just like that. Like women need to have some emotional intelligence in order to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. be able to show up in the way that we value, the way we'd like. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting because I, I had a couple in here a few weeks ago and the woman has been really struggling with her health for a long time. It's been a matter of years that she's kind of gone in and out of healthy and non-healthy, you know, things that she's been dealing with. So a spouse who's really been super supportive, trying to help in all ways. And so one of the things I wanted to do was bring them both in and just have a little conversation about, you know, her health problems, some of the transitions that are happening in her life right now. Of course, you know, at this point right now, she's going through menopause and all other things are happening. And so I just wanted to have a conversation. 
And I noticed immediately the difference between his approach and her approach. You know, he's like thinking, you know what, we just fix this. We just take the bull by the horns and we fix it. You know, grandma or mom is getting older and so we have to take care of her and she's not very healthy. So, you know, we do it this way because that's the best way to just fix it. And, you know, my wife is having these health issues and this is what we do because we just fix it. And it becomes like a logical, cognitive approach to, you know, managing life for him, right? And so the whole idea that she's all kind of stuck inside of herself because of all the emotion that's going on inside of her is super just outside of his realm of understanding. And I think this is a big thing that happens to us in our society or in our culture is that women have a lot in their hearts. They have so much weight in here. You know, they're thinking about their children and they're thinking about their family and they're thinking about the neighbors and they're thinking about all these, you know, different aspects of people that they feel need to be attended to. And sometimes the the men who come into our lives have a really hard time grasping onto how complex our brains are when we're so connected to the nurturing aspects of ourselves. So that's one of the things we know if we can help women find a voice, get less stuck inside themselves. What we discover is that they're able to be more of an advocate for this themselves, keep themselves safer, clearly, and also they begin to realize that it's okay to feel and it's okay to manage the way I feel and I don't have to act out because I'm fearful right now or because I'm concerned right now or because I'm frustrated right now or because I'm feeling overwhelmed right now or because I'm feeling stressed or upset right now that I can take a time for myself and manage what's going on inside of there. And then I can get back up into that thinking brain to solve the problem. I love it. That's exactly what I was doing this morning. And as I was doing it, I was thinking, I am really grateful to have some tools that helps me to manage emotions. Like if you don't have tools, because yeah, you can say, really important to take a break, manage your emotions, address what you're feeling, you know, because from what we're feeling, especially when we're feeling strong emotions, we get stuck on that thought, that feeling, mm-hmm. and it just grows. And pretty soon, and that, yeah, it's a mess. That causes us to have lost battles, right? Yeah, totally. We show up in ways that we don't want to show up. We talk to our children in ways that we don't want to be talking to them. We are less compassionate, less empathetic, less attuned more fearful our bodies become more stressed yeah so we know as we are able to do more and more of that then we're less inclined to act outside of our values one of the things i think is really super important right now that i'd like to share you know we hear all the time go to heavenly father with your concerns you know turn to him find your safety in him he's your advocate and your peace and all that kind of stuff and sometimes it's just like what 
I don't know. That's not that's not working for me. It's not enough connection or whatever it is. So we teach a skill we call the vulnerability prayer versus the turmoil prayer. So one of the things that I realize as women, we tend to go into turmoil really fast. And that turmoil kind of gets us super agitated and makes it so that we can't make sense of things that are going on around us and we can't make sense of what's going on inside of us. And it causes us to put up walls to keep ourselves safe because we feel like we're in turmoil and so we're not safe. So how do you come before a God who's supposed to give you peace if you've got walls up because you're in turmoil? It's not possible because he can't penetrate your walls. And those walls are super real. They're walls that you put in there to keep yourself safe from the outside world that feels really difficult to deal with or dangerous even, right? And so those walls, we don't necessarily need for, let's say, spouses who are who are there to, who want to be there to comfort and love us, or let's say friends who want to be there for, to love, or, love and comfort us, comfort us, and to, for God who wants to be there for, to love and comfort us. But nobody can penetrate that wall because we're in so much turmoil. And we are actually, it, it, we are hardwired to keep ourselves safe. It's part of our evolutionary biology. And our brains are just responding in ways that are helping to keep us safe. Because if the brain is in any way registering that you might not be safe, it's going to tell your body, protect yourself. And so we go into this protective mode and we keep the turmoil inside. So rather than going to God in all that turmoil, we're keeping him out. We're not letting him in. So we talk about the difference between a vulnerability prayer and a turmoil prayer. And the vulnerability prayer says, okay, this is what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to take off this layer. And I'm going to show you what's in here. And then I'm going to take off this layer. And I'll show you what's in here. And then eventually, I'm going to be like Eve in the garden. And I'm going to have all my layers off. And then God is going to come and dress me. He's going to cover me. Because that's his job. When he meets Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, give, you know, make for them clothes to protect them. But they first have to be naked before he can step in and say, yes, I will close you. I will bring you peace. I will cover your nakedness. Mm -hmm. So the ways that we learn how to take off those layers is we, first of all, it's okay to feel like you're in turmoil. I'll give you an example. I have a son who's in college and he's really struggling. And I can feel the turmoil inside. Oh, what have I done wrong? How, you know, how could I have done things better? You know, did I abandon him when he needed me most? Why did, did I not? Okay, all that turmoil just going on inside me. And of course, Satan's feeding the turmoil, right? Because he just, he loves to see us in turmoil. It's just, 
super exciting for him to say, yeah, I love that when, when she can't think straight, right? But also, you know, he knows that I have a mother heart, so he's working on that. So I'm starting to feel this, closing up, closing up. It's my fault. I'm to blame. I don't feel right about this. It doesn't feel happy. What if he never pulls himself out of the dark spots? What if he, what if he never grows up and does, you know, becomes an adult and acts like an adult? What if he's always addicted, right? I go into that space and I'm covering myself up. So rather than going to God and saying, you, you got to fix him. <laughs> you got to help him. You got to take care of him. I can't do this. I'm in so much pain. No, 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 no. This is what I say. Okay, God, I need you to understand. I feel really afraid right now. I'm really afraid. And I'm going to take that layer off and I'm going to show you my fear. And I'm going to talk to you about what's going on inside me. Uh, I'm thinking things like it might be my fault and I'm to blame. And I just want to know what you think about that. Do you feel like I have fault in this? And then take the next layer off. I'm so worried about him. You know, when I sent him off to school, I really tried hard to give him everything he needed. It felt like I was so vulnerable letting, you know, sending him off with not everything I think he should have needed or he, he should have had. And I'm just wondering if you feel like that worry is needed. Do I need to worry for him? And then you take the next layer off. I know this is connected to my need to want to control. I know I've done that in my life over and over and over and over again. And I'm really trying to surrender this control to you right now, God. It's really hard for me. Because when I don't have control, it makes me feel like I'm not safe. So do you understand the difference between a vulnerability prayer and a turmoil prayer? Yes. And I'm wondering if anybody has any thoughts about that. Like what comes to your mind and to your heart, ladies, as you hear that? Well, it certainly gives me food for thought. And I think I can see how I've done both of these in different instances. But just sometimes I don't know what the layers are to be able to take them off, though. I think that I feel like I'm afraid to go to God or to allow God to help me with this because maybe he's thinking this about me or whatever. Uh, however, I'm and, judging myself. And that's a layer. You would start there. I'm afraid that you're going to judge me, God. So okay. you, you start with that toppest layer. And you notice what are you feeling and thinking about that? See, this is how Satan gets into us and says, oh, don't go to God because you can't talk to God. Well, then you say, to, you go to God and say, Satan's telling me not to talk to you right now because he's making me afraid that you're going to judge me. That's the first layer. But then after that, how do you, I guess, I don't know. Do you just say, God help me to know what the layer I is? You, I promise you, once you take that first layer off, the other layers start revealing themselves. Okay. Because we've now opened our heart. Okay. 
And you know, one thing that helps me just identify, I guess I've never called them layers before, but that's so beautiful what you're teaching us in LE, but is to just, you know, kind of get a piece of paper out and write down starting with either one with any of these. How am I acting? And I start I start saying on this paper how I'm acting or how am I feeling? And then I'll just try to keep my feelings to just like one word feelings. I'm feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling upset. I'm feeling oh, like nobody can see me. I'm, you know, unseen. I'm feeling all these things. And then, uh, or I might just think, well, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about, like, I'm just perseverating on this situation. What am I thinking about that situation? Anyway, if I get really clear on what I'm thinking, how I want to act or how I am acting, like I want to act outside my values. I feel very strongly something needs to happen there, you know. Anyway, that helps me to be more cognizant of maybe where I need to start or how to be more vulnerable in my prayer when I bring that paper with me. I love that, Karen. It's a really good strategy. I'm less planned out than you are, but I really like the idea of doing that. The one thing that I really like about that is it opens up avenues in your mind that the, the, the spirit can get into. And in the end, that may become your prayer, right? Mm -hmm. I really love that. It's a really great approach. And there's, a, you know, because I think what we look at overarchingly is our result, right? Like, my result is this and I don't like it. You know, my result looks like that and I'm very disappointed in the result, in myself. You know, there's lots of disappointment. And so anyway, to even just start so, with, what is, so what do you Karen, One of the things that you bring up is, and we talk about this a lot in life-changing services, is acting outside our values. And I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about that because as Christians, as LDS Christians, we have very, I would say we have prescribed values. Would you agree with that, Karen? Some prescribed values. Prescribed as in, we want to show up kind. We want to be generous. We want to be loving. We want to be firm. We want to have understanding. You know, these are all kind of prescribed values. One of the reasons why we have general conference that helps us to fill uh, to fill us with understanding in the spirit and you know in the scriptures we talk about knowledge and understanding so we value those things and yet i hear over and over and over again of people who are lds christians <laughs> who don't show up that way and the question is why not well you know, first of all, we're going to say, well, because we're human beings and we're not perfect. So, of course, right, we can, we can espouse something and we can, you know, set a vision for ourselves of, of ways we want to be. But we're all going to fall short of that to some degree. But how short do we have to always be falling? What's happening to us that's causing us to be unable to show up in our values 
And if I had my dreams, <laughs> would always show up in every situation, in every time, showing up in my values, which I think is the truest me. And when people say you need to be authentic or you need to be true to yourself, then I go back to, okay, what are my Christian values? Because that is me. And when it talks in the scriptures about God giving me the desires of my heart, I interpret that as God planted within me the desire to be this way. And because I know this is a God-given desire, he won't leave me unsupported in helping me show up in these ways. And it's a strong desire that I have. So if I'm having lost battles in these values, I have to figure out what it is that's going on inside of me that's causing me to, to show up in ways that it's outside of my values. It's not true and authentic to myself. I mean, what horrible self-betrayal when I'm not able to show up as an LDS Christian. I want to be that. That's my, you know, greatest goal. So for me, this is my mountain to be climbed, my Mount Everest to be conquered. And that's why we're here today, right? So that we can all figure out how do we climb this mountain together? Not just to be supportive of our children, but in the end, we know this is all about us. This isn't really about them because why do we have children in the first place? Why did God say, okay, you're going to be a mom and you're going to have children. What's the point of that? Well, because he knew that it would help us grow and become more like him. So in the end, this is all about us. And I will say, there's this big question in people's mind when I come together in groups like this and you know we're gathered here because we have common things we have things in common children who are struggling and I want to ask myself the question what do I do with something I don't understand and ultimately in the end you know Karen you and I believe that when you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. We believe that. We hold that as a revered truth, right? But how do we know we're lacking wisdom, and how do we find the wisdom that we need so that it's, it's obtainable, it's, it's, it's graspable, you know? Joseph Smith saw God the Father and Jesus Christ to answer his question. <laughs> well, not everybody's going to have that happen to them. So it's up to us to do the work, understand the thing, to, to find the knowledge and understanding for things we don't understand. And I'm going to, I want to take a little shift here, even though I've been talking about us and that this journey is about us. And I want to come back to this is all about us anyway. So one of the things that I think we're facing these days, it's a huge challenge for us to understand, is the whole LGBTQIA movement. And because I work with adolescent girls, and I know that this is a really, really big thing right now because everyone is being encouraged to identify themselves 
their sexuality and their gender. And literally every child out there is going to start having to say, this is what I am. And for us in this generation, it's extremely confusing to us. It's something we don't understand for the most part. And I think it's going to cause us to not only to come out fearfully, but also to make a lot of mistakes if we don't think about this. So of course, you know, again, this is something we don't, what do we do with something we don't understand? Well, let me, let me kind of put it this way. Let us say that this is like a dragon. We don't understand dragons. Dragons are terrible. They're fiery. They hoard gold. Um, they snatch the virgins from the villages. They're reptilian. They're reptiles that fly. They have a tail that stings, you know, and we don't always understand what do we do with a dragon and, and how is it conquerable or what is it there for? And so if you imagine this is like the, these concepts that we're talking about right now is sort of like a dragon. We got to figure out, you know, actually what's interesting is in Asian cultures, dragons represent something good they're powerful and strong and we inside ourselves want to emulate the strength and the power of a dragon but in european culture they're bad because they steal your women and they burn down your villages and they hoard all your gold and so in european cultures they are uh, feared and need to be conquered and slain so which one is it which type of dragon is this subject for us as LDS people? And is this something that needs to be conquered and slain? Or is this something we need to incorporate and learn from and make us stronger and more powerful? It's, it's a really big question out there. And as I worked with young women, and frankly, I will tell you almost all of the young women I work with have a label. I'm bisexual, I'm uh, gender fluid, I'm cisgender, I'm demi-romantic, I'm, yeah, all of them, you know, I think just, I've heard them all these days. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I'm already so confused, just what you yeah. said right there. Yeah, yeah. right, uh, and, it, and it can get really confusing for us as parents, uh, especially to these young women. It's interesting, I was listening to a evolutionary biologist and they were being interviewed by this podcaster and they brought up the question of gender. So what do we know about gender in evolutionary biology? And these two biologists said, well, we do know that non gender nonconforming is actually very observable in nature. You know, female monkeys who want to hang out with the male monkeys or male monkeys who want to hang out with the female monkeys or even female tigers hanging out with the male tigers or having male more male characteristics it's very fascinating to listen to all of uh, what they can observe in nature as far as gender is concerned she says but the difference is there's no pressure to be one thing or the other and identify yourself as one thing or the other 
in, in the animal kingdom. And there's no ability for them to change their gender. They are just gender non-conforming. And for the most part, these gender non-conforming species, it's not always true, but for the most part, they're just allowed to go about doing what they're doing without any consequences. Uh, there are some exceptions of that. I think the bobo chimpanzee don't allow female chimpanzees to join their male troops. They'll beat them up and kill them if they try to join. But I think for the most part, they're more accepted, the gender non-conforming. So the question is, <laughs> what do we do in our day and age right now with everyone who's being you know invited to not only label themselves as a certain gender or se certain sexuality but also behave in ways that might show up outside of the values and try to i don't have any other word for it mutilate their bodies to conform to what they're trying to express themselves as so it's a really confusing subject. It's one of these dragons that we have to figure out. And it can cause a parent, a mother, a lot of turmoil, a, a father, a lot of turmoil. And how do we treat these children? How do we, you know, what do we do with that information? Are we very affirming? Yep, you're a girl showing up as a boy and we're gonna go ahead and, you know, give you hormones and help you make that transition. Or do we just say things like, yeah, you're gender non-conforming. We're totally accepting of that. You can show up however you want to do to be gender non-conforming. And I accept that this is the way you are and behave those in, in every way you feel like in gender non-conforming, but I'm not really interested in helping you biologically change. Or do we say, yeah, <laughs> no, you're a girl. You're going to behave like a girl. You're going to do girl things. That's just the way it is. That's, it's, it's logical to me. How do we show up in ways that aren't damaging, but also are within our values and are helping us as parents, because this is our job and this is what we get to do, helping us to pass down our values to our children. And in that, in that way, you know, that's actually why we're here, right? Because we want to talk about these hard things. So one of the things I like to say is to prioritize your values. Highest values go up here, kind of give them categories, right? So Karen, if I put you on the spot and I said, if you were to just off the top of your head, think about all the types of values that you have, all your kind of prescribed values that's been given to you, passed down from the generations and from your culture and from your Christian background and also from your own digging into the scriptures and kind of identifying who you are. If you were to choose the highest value, what would that be? That I am a child of my heavenly parents. And how does that tr translate into a value of how you want to show up? Yeah, like my identity, I want to act according to how I identify as someone who believes that I have a divine nature. Okay. And, and what does divinity mean to you? 
the first thing that comes to mind, it means that I'm not my own. I belong somewhere. I belong to someone and I belong to my heavenly parents. And divine means that, so I'm loved, I matter, what I think matters. I'm loved, I'm, so I wouldn't hear you tell it as I'm loved and I'm valued. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is I want to show up in ways that help my children know their ide divine identity, that they belong somewhere and that they're loved and that they matter. That's really a big thing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just going to tell you something, Karen. If you pin somebody down, just like I did to you, that's an LDS Christian. Most of them are going to come up saying something like that mm -hmm. as their highest priority. Most of them are. They really believe that. But when it comes down to it, their highest value is obedience and sacrifice. They want their children to be obedient and they want their children to sacrifice what they want to do now for what they think they should do in this, they should be in the future. Mm. So I heard you say, my highest priority is to show up in ways that make my children feel loved and that they matter and that they have a purpose and they belong. But if I don't prioritize that as my highest value and I'm always showing up in obedience and sacrifice, then how am I behaving in ways that would cause me to not show up in my highest value? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, if I were to say so, it back to you to make sure I understand, it would be if I value showing up in a way that they feel loved, cared about, like they belong, that they, they're divine as well, but yet I show up in a, what I really care about or what I'm portraying is, I care about your obedience, I care about your sacrifice, then those don't match. Mm -hmm. Well, they can match. Yeah. They can absolutely match. Because once a child feels that they belong and they matter and they feel loved mm -hmm. and they know they're loved by God and they have a divine nature, they will then be able to show up in ways that are obedient mm -hmm. and sacrificial, right? But as I said, you have to prioritize it. And I have to approach it in a way, because I'm having a thought now, approach it in a way that I understand it took me, you know, almost 50 years to figure that out. It's super hard, Karen, because I think our generation has been that way. Even the generation before us has been that way. Our divine nature has not been the toppest, foremost priority for us our toughest value. And if I were to ask my mom yeah. what her highest value is, she would have said obedience and sacrifice. There would have been no, there, no. Yeah, you're a divine person and you'll figure that out once you get to be obedient and make your sacrifices. You'll figure out that you're divine and that you're loved. Eventually you'll get there and that's okay. You know, that, that's part of the process, but you got to first prioritize. You got to obey and you got to choose your sacrifices. 
I know. So because are you... in her mind, that's how it worked. Yeah. And Karen, it sounds to me like that's how it worked for you too. Definitely. It was a lot more about these actions bring these results or your performance is connected to your worth or mm -hmm. these boxes need to be checked so that mm -hmm. you can feel okay about yourself or you can mm -hmm. claim the promise that the prophet gave you so you can absolutely yeah. yep you're you're nailing it karen <laughs> yeah so you know what's really interesting is because i'm not that type of person this type of behavior because my mom she uh, you know I, you know i'm just gonna go there she was a total no-nonsense mother. Don't be messing around. Stop screwing up. We grew up in the mission field. We were the example of what LDS Christian men and women should be. Behave that way. And I don't care if you feel loved right now. You need to show on your outside who you are, right? Literally, it sent me into a faith crisis, a literal faith, faith crisis. Like I was, you know, in my early 20s, I was very close to leaving the church because of it. I'm not an obedience and sacrifice type of person. And my mom was. And I never felt loved by her because she was. But that's not true. I felt loved by her eventually. But I didn't equate her sense of obedience and sacrifice as loving and affirming of me. It was extremely difficult for me to feel grounded and rooted because I couldn't feel loved. And you know, God is so amazing. He knows everything we need. The one thing my mom taught me, my parents taught me was turn to him. He will give you what you need. And because I was grappling so much with this subject and because I was turning to him and not turning away from him, he gave me a beautiful confirmation of his love, which set me on the path of obedience and sacrifice. And I think we as parents, if we choose to, to prioritize that, we can give the same gift to our children. My son called me from college, or I called him. We were chatting about some things that he needed to get done. And he was very vulnerable with me. And I had a chance to say to him, you are deeply loved. You're a divine child of God. I know you're struggling right now. I pray for you every day. And I know you can do this. You know where to turn. If you need to feel loved again, but today I want you to know you are deeply loved. Do you know that just gave him the fire and his and, and gave him the wind under his wings and he started flying. I didn't give him the lecture. You need to be obedient. I didn't tell him he needs to go to church. I didn't tell him any of that, but he is beginning to find his own obedience. Hmm. I see some things in the chat. BJ, do we have other comments or questions? Melody talked about the vulnerability prayer, and I just appreciated that. Just felt like the way you were talking, I could, it just felt like you're talking to close, you know, to somebody 
not at somebody. And anyway, it just made me just think about doing that a little bit differently and realizing who I'm talking to a little bit differently and what they think about me. It just was, I, I love that you went through that and what it really sounded like, not just explaining it. That was so helpful. There's one comment from a mom with, I have found it powerful to tell God all of my fears, but it does take time to peel the onion. And another thought from the chat says, I feel so grateful to have the Lord in my life. Because to me, it comes down to simply where I am going to get my information. Am I going to listen to and turn to the world or the Lord? Am I going to seek for answers from the world or my savior? Am I going to walk with the Lord in hard times or give up on him in hard times? I know that the only safety is fighting to live with the Lord and what he wants me to do. And I know that from listening to the prophet. Yep. It's true. And the question always is, and how do we convey that to our children? How do we get them understanding and growing in that, right? Even though it burns within us, how do we help them experience the same thing? Yeah, so Anilvi, we just have been doing our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope, our webinar series, and not today, but the two weeks previous, we had Joyce and Dennis Ashton come. And they're both retired from their careers, but they have a lot of experience with professionally being caregivers in people that really struggle with, you know, yeah, the way they put it was, my assumptive world is being assaulted. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so... And so I'm grieving. So I grieve about those things. But, And I've been listening to their audiobook, and I'm near the end of it. And one of the examples she shared in there goes right along with what you're saying. And she said that she got a call from her son from college. And he'd lost his job and his girlfriend in the same week. And he was just really upset. And she said, and I started asking him things like, are you paying your tithing? Are you reading the scriptures? Are you are you going to church? I ha did you think to fast? Those kinds of things. And then she said, and then he said to her, Mom, I'm not being punished. <laughs> and it kind of alarmed her, like, what do you mean you're not being? I don't even understand. I don't even, I'm not even connecting to what you're saying. And then it hit her after several days of thinking about it. Oh, and she goes, it's not that I shouldn't say those things to him, but I should have said it in a way like I could still ask how his prayers were going, if he'd considered fasting, it, you know, those kinds of things. And then done it from an angle, she said, done it from an angle that said to him, no, you're not being punished. You're absolutely loved and hard things happen to everybody. This is a hard time for you, but those things are going to be helpful because they'll make you more available to receive impressions from the Holy Ghost while you're going through this. And so she says, I wish I would have approached it in an angle that 
explained why I was asking those because it really did portray to him initially that, that I, I was saying, you must be. That must he be prioritized his obedience and sacrifice over his grieving and his difficulty and knowing that he's loved. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that I just think that goes right along with what you're talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. PJ, are there any other, any other comments or thoughts people want to add to this? One comment from the chat is the hard part is acting in faith, not in fear from just the discussion just a minute ago. Yeah. And that actually is where the vulnerability prayer really becomes useful because when you just go to the Lord with your fear and tell him, I'm afraid, that is an act of faith. That's how fear becomes faithful. When I just come to the Lord and get on my knees and I say, I am so afraid right now, Lord. My husband's unemployed and he's not bringing in any money. And it's scaring me. And so I'm afraid that what's going to happen is I'm going to show up in ways that are not within my values. Can you help me understand how to be more faithful in this? I got so much fear. Taking off the layer, right? In Siobusha, he was a, a 70 emeritus. One of my favorite books he wrote was, uh, is called Yearning for the Living God. And one of the things he says in there, it's just stayed with me and stayed with me and stayed with me. And my friend Ryan and I talk about it all the time. Like this is one of our, my, my hallmark moments. Self-honesty is our true seeking for truth. When we can look at ourselves with complete unabashed honesty, this is what's happening inside of me. And I'm willing, I'm just willing to show the Lord this is what ha is happening. I'm not going to be ashamed of what's happening inside of me. I'm not going to be angry about what's happening inside of me. I'm not going to be fearful about what's happening inside of me. But I'm going to just look inside and see what it is. I'm having thoughts of, of whatever it is. I'm having feelings of whatever it is, those unacceptable feelings that I, so I just have to tell you, my mom passed away a couple of weeks ago and, you know, I'm going through grief and it's just super real. I mean, just real. And my sister and I were chatting on the phone the other day and I told her, I said, you know, I really hate the part of, of, of grief that always shows up in anxiety in me. Because, you know, when my mom, when my sisters died, when my dad died, the same exact thing happened to me. My mom died and same exact thing happens to me. I get super anxious. My body just starts, I, I can't even control the anxiety. The anxiety just gets so intense. And I said, so the other day when the anxiety was getting so intense inside of me, I decided to go start journaling and discover what what was it in there and I discovered oh it's so crazy that I was angry but anger is an unacceptable emotion in me I cannot I don't allow myself to, ex to experience anger because it it doesn't feel right it's not kind it's not you know it just goes I think it goes against all my values I don't know what it is but anger is a real thing I you know, it's a part of grief. 
So when I finally just said, I'm super angry right now, and I just wrote out all the reasons I was angry, and they just seemed so irrational. <laughs> like, grief is not rational, just so you guys know. Um, and I was telling my sister about this. She says, oh, my gosh, I did this. The exact same thing happened to me. I just had so much anxiety the other day. I'm going to go home and do that. I'm going to do this exercise because I think I'm afraid to be angry, too. You know, when we're afraid of ourselves, we can't show up naked before God. And, of course, I believe that Satan tries to make us afraid of ourselves. He, he tries to make our children afraid of themselves. And that's the other thing that I try to help my children understand. Don't be afraid of yourself. Don't be afraid of what's going on inside of you. Don't be afraid of it. It's okay. You can, you can be naked. Whatever it is you're experiencing, you go ahead, allow yourself to experience it. Be, be naked with God. Any other comments or questions? I'd love to hear them. You have so much insight. I think, Anility, for me, I think, I guess, part of, I guess, the culture for me, my upbringing stuff is that idea that I have to always be in control and I have to, yeah, not let, I guess, what did you say, those, you said something about those morals that are prescribed morals. Mm-hmm. And because of that, or, then I feel like prescribed values. Prescribed values, sorry, not more values, yeah, prescribed values. But just in thinking about that and just those expectations that I put on myself for what others perceive me to be, that I have a hard time with that with God, you know. And of course, He can see through it all, but I'm still trying to, like, <laughs> I know it. I. Oh my gosh. I think you just spoke for everybody here. So it is real. so vulnerable. And it is such a, a hard place for me to be that vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, that's why we have the story of the Garden of Eden. It's literally why we have the story of the Garden of Eden. So that God can show us how to show up vulnerably. And that he will clothe us. Oh, you discovered you were naked. <laughs> let me help you honey but you have to discover your nakedness first I really yeah that's really powerful thank you for helping make that connection there yeah you're welcome and thank you for being vulnerable enough to speak for all of us because it's so real that sense yeah. of I have to be in control I have to show up in a certain way yeah yeah And it's actually not very mentally healthy for our culture. So we need to be the group of people who decide it's going to change. I just feel impressed to ask either you and Elodie or somebody else to restate. Yeah, actually, I would love to have somebody else restate it because I think I heard it. I totally connect to what she said. So, But it would be so great to hear what somebody else understood. Yeah, what, what did you hear her say? Even if it's not the right thing, what she said, but what did you hear her say? Because that was really important and kind of poignant. And I think some of us, including me, I was still on the thing you said previously, and so I caught the tail end of what she said. And not all of it. Because I was writing and thinking, I'm thinking about what you just said. <laughs> yeah.
BJ, are you willing to try to repeat what Melanie said? I feel exactly like Karen just mentioned, like, <laughs> how, how can I, I just, what I had heard is just a, for me, it's a piece of, uh, not sure how to do the be so vulnerable thing. Yeah. I don't even so, know that. So the thing said that I think is so important for all of us to remember and hear, and I think she just spoke for all of us, right? Is that we feel the urge to have to be in control for some reason or the sensation. If I'm not in control, I'm not actually showing up in the right way. And in the end, it's surrendering that control that actually is helping us to show up in the right way. What do you tell me if I'm saying it right? Yeah, I agree. I think like as you were modeling for us the vulnerable prayer, I could see that uh, ah, that that is going to be so hard for me because I want to just say, okay, here, this is this and this is this and please help me here. But it's not really to the core of what I really need or to really connect completely with God to allow him, yes, to relinquish my control, relinquish my will to his. And that's a different, different way of seeing relinquishing that will to his Mm -hmm. in that I'm allowing him into my true heart, very vulnerable, very, I guess, afraid. Yeah. Very naked. Yeah. So vulnerable, just completely naked. And And there's no control in that. None, none, none. You have no control over that. Yeah. But it was in that process. And, you know, as you're sharing that example of Adam and Eve, but it's in the process of giving up that control that then God was able to clothe and protect and, and bless and strengthen and comfort them in the midst of that. Did you have something? Yeah, I was going to say, I get, I get into a place of fear. Like, and I think we all probably do, but my mind goes, but that's so irresponsible to not be in control. You know, like, that's what my brain feels like. It's so irresponsible to not be in control because. Yeah, that's a satanic attack, right? Yes, exactly. And to trust, it really, I mean, for me, it really is faith that God is, that God's, that's the one who's in control. I don't have to be in control. He doesn't ask me to be in control. I mean, he does ask me to choose my choices and to be in control of me, but he doesn't ask me to be in control of anyone else. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my little babies who can't do anything for themselves, but as they grow up mm-hmm. and as they mm-hmm. he wants them to make choices for themselves. And if I'm always trying to retain control over them around everyone around me, wow, I am not, like you said, it's all about us and it's all about them too. And they can't become what God wants them to be if I'm always trying to control them. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Because that's satanic, right? They can't become who they need to be if I'm always trying to control them. So when we take off all of our clothes before God and find ourselves naked, I have to tell you that is really pushing up against our autonomic nervous system that is hardwired for safety. So that's what you're dealing with, ladies. You're pushing up against something that is hardwired in us. It makes total sense to me that, you're, that things are feeling fearful where things are feeling like you need to be in control. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just want to add, I think it's really, all these points are really powerful. And just one like motivational thing. I mean, it's still like, you know, I don't always do this either. I have to sometimes remember, oh yes, you have to share everything and your deep feelings with God, not just say, oh, I need to pray for this person, I need to pray for this person, I need to pray for this person. But actually I can share my deep feelings. But it is something that I have learned that, you know, even my son actually struggled with. Like for some reason, you know, I found that he didn't want to tell God everything and somehow we feel sometimes people can feel that we can't go to god because then god expects us to be you know that perfect you know as you were talking about before law abiding you know we do all these follow the principles perfectly but guess what i don't know anyone who really is we may act like it we may try to look like it but we can't here on earth. And I think it's vital that we actually teach our kids that and to be vulnerable, even like to show our own vulnerable vulnerability to our kids, I think can be very powerful in helping them to open that door of healing self-love and the relationship with our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. Wow. So true, right? Because Satan's first attack is going to always be, oh, don't go to God with this. Hide. Hurry up. Hide. Yep. Hide. <laughs> you have something to be ashamed of. You're naked. Hide. Don't let God see that nakedness. God won't cover you. Hide. And thank you for sharing the analogy for the Garden of Eden because we can actually use it as an awesome tool with all of our kids. Mm-hmm. So thank you. For sure. Oh, you're so good. Well, ladies, thank you so much for this wonderful spirit-led meeting we've had today. It's been so great. Thanks for your participation, whether you used your voice or not. You're such a strength to this meeting and so appreciated. Thanks, BJ, for your awesome help. All right, we'll see you ladies next week. Love ya. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA eight young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersYouKnow.lcs or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at Mothers underscore Who Know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. 
You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at mothershoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothershoknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.